Hi, I'm John. And I'm Paul. And this is the Minute Podcast. If you give a mouse a cookie, I'm pretty sure he'd write a book. But give us 60 seconds of footage and we'll tell you where to look. With a concept this simplistic, it's hard to say if it'll last. But give us just a minute and we'll give you a podcast. The Minute Podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode. As you probably know by now, the Minute Podcast is a weekly conversation between John and myself where we discuss a listener-submitted minute of content from a TV show, movie, or somewhere else on the internet, and we talk about it, try to figure out what's going on. John, what are we looking at today? Uh, Today we're watching a clip from uh, the video game Tales of Symphonia, and uh, this is submitted by uh, listener Robert. Excellent, and this week's episode is brought to you by Cross Promotion. Uh, John, everybody in the podcast community keeps telling me you need to cross promote in order to grow your base, so let's just do that briefly. Uh, there's a lot of benefits to crucifixion. It traps your opponent, <laughs> it's extremely painful, and. Wait, what? <laughs> it means promoting oh. other podcasts? Where the <laughs> fuck didn't you. I just. Anyway, this episode's brought to you by Cross Promotion. Visit crosspromotion.com slash minute for a 10% discount today. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> all right, so our um, our level of familiarity here, Paul, uh, I, I, actually, I actually have a little bit of familiarity with this, but why don't you go first? How much familiarity do you have? Absolutely zero. In fact, until you said this was from a video game i still thought it probably was but i wasn't even sure and was sort of living in a world in which maybe this was just a tv show or short that was done in that art style so complete zero for me okay so uh i actually owned this game uh at at one point in time uh on uh i think gamecube Hmm. i i remember almost nothing about it uh, I I always bounce off of Tales games very quickly, although I keep trying for some reason. Uh, they're just, like, cute uh, JRPGs, but with, like, an active time battle, so it's, like, action-y. Hmm. When you, like, instead of going into, like, a menu system, you just sort of, like, slice and dice guys and stuff like that. And there's just something about it that always just, you know, doesn't work for me. Um, but... I, I keep coming back to them because it like they sort of play with character and and stuff like that in supposedly interesting ways. Although I have no idea. So <laughs> other than that, I know it's from Tales of Symphonia. Um, All right. Well, a, a quick intro to the scene. Then what we see is two people standing around a campfire. One gives the other a mug, and they talk about it. Yeah, and um, I think we should probably. Should probably do a script read here, Paul. No, I guess we probably should. Yeah, uh, we've got two main characters as well as some background effects. Uh, John, I think we decided you would be Colette and I would be Lloyd the Red Fellow. Yeah, Lloyd the Red Fellow. Excellent. All right. Mm. Crackle, crackle, crackle. <laughs> crackle, crackle, crackle. Crackle. John, you're Colette. Oh. <laughs> what is it, Lloyd? Crackle, crackle, crackle. I thought it'd be nice for us to talk, just by ourselves. Sure. Crackle, crackle. Crackle. 
Here, it's hot coffee. Thanks. Hot, isn't it? Yeah, really hot. It's actually iced coffee. What? I had Genus make it cold. Oh, <laughs> yeah, of course it's cold. I lied. It's actually hot. <laughs> crackle, crackle, crackle. <laughs> All right. Well, as you could tell, I was also playing the part of the campfire, and John, you were um, some sort of wounded animal. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I, I am a wounded animal, Paul. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, John, um, I'm very confused by a lot of things that are happening here, but I, I want to know what what's your first take when you saw this? What's your first impression? Um, my first impression, uh was was man they have a lot of space between <laughs> responding back and forth and this might be why i bounced off this game <laughs> yeah that's true they definitely had some pauses in the dialogue it was pretty strange yeah it's it's very much like finding audio file finding audio file finding audio file thanks you finding are... <laughs> audio file finding audio file finding audio file hot isn't it I was wondering if of... it was also because the uh, the text is on the screen, so you can read what they're saying. If they were trying to time it so that it would, you, you could read true. it in real time. But I, the, this is not this is not a long exchange either, so they didn't need to pause that long to read four it's words. It's also originally a Japanese game, so it's very likely that uh, they have it timed that way for specific reasons, and then in the uh, translation, okay. it just doesn't come through at all. Sure. Um, yeah. Like maybe there wasn't you know audio in the very original version or something like that. I don't know. Okay, well that could all that could all be true, John. My first real thought upon seeing this clip is one that I have any time we see anything that's animated at all, which is how old are these children supposed to be? <laughs> old enough to uh, have swords and be in the wilderness, and to be drinking hot coffee, which oh that's true. All, all of these seem problematic. Four children. I mean, John, as a child, how many swords did you own? Uh, I didn't own a sword as a child. I turned 18 and had to use my ID to purchase a sword. <laughs> oh, you actually time. did? <laughs> yes, I did. It was the first thing I ever used my ID for. That's amazing. It was a sword what? at Otakon, which at is probably Otakon. admitting too much for radio. <laughs> you know, I was assuming it was a flea market sword because I have a lot of memories of going to like flea markets as a, a kid. And just mm -hmm. seeing swords everywhere. And I'm like, why does everybody have and sell swords? I don't understand it. I mean, swords are basically like Swiss Army knives of, of you know, older older years. So, you know, they did everything. They chopped, they diced, yeah. Yep. Uh, changed channels on your television. <laughs> Once. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right, well... What about what about hot coffee then, John? That seems bad for kids, especially because they're drinking it in the middle of the night. Apparently, what do you think is their plan here? I, I don't know. I feel like it should have been cocoa, right? Like yep. narratively, I think like, so. Nothing about this, even like even adults in the dead of night shouldn't be drinking hot coffee. They should be drinking cocoa. Um, I don't know. I. It's, coffee's also not yeah it's not good for kids and also how many kids do you know that would like both hot coffee and iced coffee i feel like i feel like they'd pick one and then that would be the thing you know i I, I think so it's also not apparently cold where they are 
there's there's no other indicators to make me think it's like winter and they're camping outside or even that it's fall and it's a little chilly so they need something hot yeah i don't know i'm just i'm trying to imagine what would i do if a 12 year old with two swords on his belt gave me coffee i don't know if i'd know how to react <laughs> yeah no that's true uh, I, you drink that fucking coffee. Oh, I definitely you're would. You're not going to argue with this yeah. 12-year-old with swords on his back. And I'd run away and find an adult. <laughs> yeah, that's a good it's a good system. The Minipod recognizes people should run away and find adults if they're in trouble. It's definitely true. John, let, let's briefly talk about what these uh, kids look like. We mentioned that the um, the guy has two swords and he's, he's wearing all red. How would you describe yeah. him? I, I have... A thing I would say, but let's let's have you go first. Uh, I would say uh, like a like a red cowboy with swords. <laughs> it's not too far from what I was going to say. I was going to say a red Civil War butler with swords. <laughs> yes, Civil War butler would be the right way of putting that. Yeah, he's he's a very he's a fancy boy. He's definitely he's a got, fancy like, boy. Um, stitching he's got definitely like a western cut shirt i would not be surprised if he didn't have like a uh, pearlescent uh like buttons you know mm-hmm. maybe a bolo tie i couldn't see it that closely in the in the like gamecube era resolution that it is it's true that one pixel bolo tie yeah, yeah. He, he really reminds me of uh well between the way he looks and the fact that they're sort of camping of growing up in Western Maryland, where there were a ton of Civil War reenactors who would spend oh, so much money on their costumes, and they didn't usually have two swords, you know, but something no. about it. I mean, did you interact much with the uh, reenacting uh, community out there? My next door neighbor was a, uh, um, what is it, a historic, like, player or something uh do they call themselves interpreters i don't really remember interpreter he was but he was an interpreter uh i and and what was in like professionally you know like like it worked professionally as an interpreter okay. for, for some time yeah like uh yeah and he's a real smart dude so like uh, i'd imagine a lot of that was was probably like you know him just sort of using his knowledge in a practical way i guess and uh, a lot of it was about, like, the Civil War and stuff, as far as I can tell. Or uh, early American colonialism, I think, was a big one, actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand the interpretation of early American colonialism a lot more than these people who spend so much time reenacting and celebrating the Civil War. It's yeah. Like, it's that like... wasn't a good time for anybody. <laughs> no. Nor is it, like... Uh, I think that to some extent, it's not particularly outside the realm of imagination. Like, like there's something mm-hmm. about, you know, nearly 300 years ago, or in some cases, you know, like 300 years ago, where where it's like, okay, 300 years ago, this is amazing. But I feel like less than 200 years ago, 150 years ago, is it's less it's less in the in the realm of imagination it's a little bit more uh <laughs> yep what if not electricity but steam like what what if uh you know what if what if we had uh horrible oppression and slavery oh yeah that's, that's to what i was gonna say what we have today 
Yeah, it's like, what if it was basically today, but also still slavery? And let's yeah. spend the weekend celebrating that? I, I don't really think that's for me. Yeah, no. I never it's did. It's not my thing. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not gonna yuck anybody's yum, but you're not going to catch me going to any Civil War reenactments. It could also be, Paul, we did grow up in basically surrounded by, like, battlefields of the Civil War. Like, True. there might be some sort of weird fascination with it if you grew up somewhere else or in a part of the country where maybe none of this ever happened or even like my dad is vaguely fascinated by it and he didn't grow up in this country at all i think it has something you know like uh ireland isn't really known for its great wars so (laughs) (laughs) so it's like how people in virginia um are obsessed with old bay because they don't get it didn't grow up with it yeah yeah exactly yeah that's a thing that's also true um john i find the uh what what is her name? The other character, Colette. Her outfit entirely uninspiring as compared to our red fellows. I know hers is basically like like a tunic with like shoulder flaps. <laughs> it looks very generic in comparison, and it doesn't make me want to talk about it at all. All right. I mean, does it inspire any thoughts from you? No, not particularly. It's blue and white. I guess it's kind of like a dress sort of thing. I think she's wearing leggings or something. So we're, yeah, we're less I, interested, clearly. And yeah, I think I think one of the more interesting things about uh, about Lloyd's outfit is his swords are arranged in a way that's very cool. Like they're almost making like an X on his hip, right? Yeah, it doesn't look entirely practical, but it does look cool. No, but it does look cool, and that's the important part. <laughs> if you're a twelve year old wearing swords, I'm pretty sure you're not going for practicality. No, not really. Um, so Paul, let's get into why we're here. Hot and cold liquids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that feeds entirely into my theory, of course, but let 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 us talk about that. Who is Genus? Is where I want to start. Okay. So if I remember correctly, which I could totally not be remembering correctly, uh, I believe Genus is a small elf boy who looks even younger than these two people do. I, I and, assumed he was some sort of robot that made coffee. Oh, I think... Oh, wow. I like that a lot more. Should I just stop talking now? And, I think like, so. Just I think you... so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So so in my imagination, Genus is their uh, almost replicator from Star Trek-ish robot that follows them around, and uh, he goes and gets coffee, or if he wants iced coffee, he just says, you know, iced coffee, please, and boom, Genus <laughs> makes you one. I like that Genus demands politeness. <laughs> he absolutely does. Otherwise, he gives it out at the wrong beverage. That's like his go-to. If you just walk mm. up and say burrito, it comes out still half-frozen, and you're like, oh, please, burrito hot, Genus. He doesn't care about syntax, just that it's in there somewhere. Yeah. I mean, like... I feel like if you're ordering from a machine, I feel like the syntax, if if you are going through the order of operations, you would want to define that it's a burrito first and then that it's hot. Otherwise, you get a hot that's burrito temperature. Exactly. And I, I assume that that's or maybe just like red hots that you've <laughs> tried to stuff beans into or something. I don't know. That sounds awesome. Let's never do that. Um, yeah. Okay, so if Genus is actually some sort of elf child, does that mean that this 12-year-old just knows how to make coffee and then gave it to this elf to magically make it iced? 
Yeah. Basically, I think so. Um, we're also treated... Do we see the fire at the beginning of the scene, Paul? I, I don't remember seeing it, but we might have. Okay, so I don't remember seeing a coffee maker. Like, what kind of coffee maker do you think they used here? Do you think they did a pour-over method? Or do you think that they did, uh, like, uh, one of those, like, uh, Italian, like percolator type things that that is probably the biggest sticking point for me in this clip is first of all how does this 12 year old know how to make coffee and second Mm -hmm. if they're really camping and genus is not a robot who can make food Mm -hmm. are we assuming this is futuristic fantasy in which they put their coffee tablets into the boiling water that they got (laughs) i guess with a pot on the stove or has this kid been spending the last like hour making cowboy style coffee in a percolator and just thinking up this plan and this that's why he has such a great master plan here because it took so long to make the coffee yeah i feel like why could they not i mean why could they not just have it be tea because tea is relatively easy to prepare true it's lightweight so you can take it with you benefits of tea that's two yep yeah uh keep going i mean hot cocoa i guess you'd have to have milk unless you're doing like the packets but like they're in, they look like they're in cowboy times, so I'm not sure that they have uh, packet technology of hot cocoa. Yeah. Well, I, I'm assuming that it's just coffee that they made on the fire in a pot, and it's probably not very good. Yeah. I mean, have you ever made right. coffee? Is while it camping? possible that it's just straight up mud? <laughs> like, are these <laughs> the- kids like they just look at coffee and they're like, "That's mud," and so I'm gonna make some coffee, and so they make mud. Oh, interesting. So it's like they're completely in the land of make-believe, and yeah. they're actually dressed up like kids, and he's got like cardboard tubes, and those are his swords, and mm-hmm. they've just boiled some dirty water. Yeah. Or oh, not that. even boiled it. They might have just like, remember, he's telling her that it's hot and cold, and she's just yes-anding the whole time. So like, John, you're blowing my mind here. Make-believing, and he's just being like an asshole about it. You know, Colette's I, just trying to be a good, uh, you know, a good, what is it, interpreter, a good, a good play good, along buddy. A good improv partner. Improv partner. There we go. Jeez, I wish that's what I thought this was because that's so much better. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. I just thought of that. That was not my original idea. All right. Well, um, let, let, let's jump into theories then, John, I think, and you have to present that theory in full. All right. No problem. Okay. All right. So, I think that this is basically long-term make-believe. Mm. Like, uh, maybe Colette is just humoring Lloyd, and they're out in the middle of the wilderness. I think Genus, now that now that I think about it, I'm, I'm thinking he's a make-believe character. Ooh. Like, uh, like, a, like a buddy. Uh, what, what are they called? Figments of their imagination, or mm. whatever. Um, imaginary friends. Good lord. Wow. Words escape me today. Uh, which is great that we're recording them. <laughs> uh, and so Colette's just humoring him, but she's kind of tired and kind of wants to go home. So right now she's just sort of, you know, low energy, uh, you know, low, low, low selling the, uh, you know, her enthusiasm for this make-believe. And Lloyd, I think, is basically just trying to fuck with her, uh, because he's pissed off that she's not bringing it to this mm-hmm. sort of make-believe story that they're trying to tell. Um, 
And so I think that, you know, he's basically fucking with her. And each time that she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm here with you. I'm here. And then there's no recovery for that. So I think that the next thing that's going to happen is that Lloyd and uh, Colette are going to get into an argument. Because Colette feels like Lloyd is basically just badgering her mm-hmm. because she's not as into it as he is. And I think that Lloyd is just going to get more pissed off because he's going to like, you know, feel, you know, like she's, you know, not, not into it. And therefore, you know, he's like, it's one sided. And so I think they're going to have an argument about it and they're going to split apart and they're going to get lost in the woods. And that's when later, when they finally do find each other, they realize that their important is imp- their fr- important isn't friendship. <laughs> friendship is important, and <laughs> and uh, you know that they need each other to be able to survive in uh, the wilderness that they make believed into, and uh, they they use each other's expertise to find their way back home. John, I think you've just uh, described Lloyd's expertise being mm-hmm. swords, and Colette's expertise being putting up with Lloyd. <laughs> I I think you've just described a perfect Wes Anderson movie. Uh, Sounds good to me. Yeah. Let's get in touch. Hit him up on Twitter. I'll have my people call your people call Wes Anderson's people. Yeah, we'll make my people do it. That's fine. Okay. Jeez. I like that theory. I wish that was true, but based on everything (laughs) we know, I don't think so. No, probably not. Dang. All right, Paul. So what's your theory? Yeah, I I was thinking this is probably a narrative-driven game about these kids, uh, JRPG, in which they go on some sort of poorly thought-out adventure to save the world against kind of a vague concept like the evils of consumerism that they end up fighting (laughs) physical forms of, and that at this point, she, Colette, has been possessed by an alien of some kind who they've they've met before because um, our guy doesn't seem too surprised by it, but this alien can 100% perfectly impersonate a human, except that they're unable to tell the difference between hot and cold beverages. Mm. And since Lloyd knows that, he's like, ah, here's what I'm going to do. Figure out, are you an alien or not? Here's a hot coffee. No, it's a cold coffee. Gotcha. It was hot all along. And then so they have it's a like fight. a test for the thing. I think so. Like a, like a, like a flame for other thing. <laughs> ah yes that that reference i know well oh you don't know the thing the movie the thing or the yeah the thing I, I don't think i've seen that since i was about 13 oh wow you watched that when you were 13 i think that so. would have fucked me up <laughs> well we'll, I would, we'll have to I would have like it. screamed running out of the house every human i would have met would have been like no <laughs> get away from me you're uh, the thing that's amazing. Poor John. Yeah. Poor 13-year-old John. Yeah. Man. Man, they have a The Thing uh, board game. Yeah? And I want to play it, but also am terrified of playing it with, <laughs> with people. <laughs> mm. We might learn too much. All right, yeah. John. Well, can we recommend either of these to... I guess games that we've described, although you and I both kind of describe movies as opposed to a game, which we know this is. Uh, in mine, you just click through dialogue, so that's the ludic <laughs> ludic aspect of my game. Okay, okay. Just like a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> yeah, just click through it. Yeah. Huh. 
Well, I think I, I would very happily watch the movie you've described. I don't know if it could be a playable game. Yeah. But I'd like it. It would be a pretty terrible game. Yeah. Not a lot of choices there. Just a lot of, like, character interaction separated by three seconds of silence. <laughs> do you think Do you think we could convince Wes Anderson to produce a JRPG? Oh, man. Wow. I mean, he does, like, stop-motion film, which, granted, yeah. is his background. Like, I think he was an animation major in school. Uh, did he go to school? I don't remember. Uh, anyway... I know that he has an animation background, and that's why he does, like, Fantastic Mr. Fox and Isle of Dogs and stuff. But yeah. I, I don't know if he's into interactive stuff. He seems, like, very much like a, a, a director who likes to have absolute and total control over things. <laughs> yeah, which might not translate well. Okay, well, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get in touch. But in, like, a we'll... whimsical way. Like, yeah. absolute and total control over things. Like, fascist, uh, fascist rule over things. Except in a whimsical way. <laughs> I both don't understand that at all, but it, it also perfectly sums up everything I know about Wes Anderson, so that's great. Yeah. All right, well, John, anything else that we want to point out about this clip? Um, No, I, I think that's pretty much it. They're, like, they are literally surrounded by, like, paper cutout mountains. Like, there's nothing, there's, like, nothing in here other than the people and the dialogue. Yeah. And the sounds. <laughs> The, the fire which we've alluded to all right well thanks to uh robert for submitting this minute it's been a little while since we did a minute by robert it has and been. it's nice to see his name again on here definitely if you want to support the podcast you should submit your own minutes for us to review uh you can go to the minutepodcast.com and use our contact form you can also review us on itunes or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded reach out to us at the minute podcast at gmail.com follow us on the social medias at minute pod or just uh, email us at i already said that one great as always this episode hosted by paul reberg and john ward produced by john ward theme music by paul reberg we will see you in two weeks see you bye-bye holy crap you made it to the end we'll be back next week to do it all again until then be well and be sure to take a minute the minute podcast <laughs>